This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 20th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. American health care kills, and it's because markets for health care services are grossly distorted. That's the assessment of David Goldhill, whose father died of a hospital-acquired infection. He wrote up what he learned about health care in America for the Atlantic Monthly. The article was entitled, How American Health Care Killed My Father. We spoke following a Cato Capitol Hill briefing held October 1st, 2009. This is a portion of our discussion. Uh, my father, a couple of years ago, uh, walked into a hospital with, uh, uh, with pneumonia and within 36 hours had contracted sepsis. And over the course of uh, the next five weeks, uh, a series of other infections acquired in the hospital, uh, which he ultimately died from. Uh, obviously, uh, an extraordinarily personal tragedy and, and, and one that, that uh, was very painful at the time and remains painful to this day. Um, and shortly after my father's death, though, I became aware of something that I think is of more general uh, interest and struck me as, as extraordinary, which is that my father was just one of an estimated 100,000 people who every year die from an infection they get in a hospital, uh, and that a substantial number of those are thought to be preventable. Um, there's a, uh, there was a piece that came out in New Yorker magazine by uh, Dr. Gawande just almost within a month, maybe it was just two weeks after my father died, in which he talked about a physician who was running around the country trying to convince hospitals to adopt a series of protocols for their intensive care units that had enormous impact on reducing the number of these deaths and how much difficulty he was having talking hospitals into it. And I think reading that article... Uh, in combination with some of the things I'd seen in the hospital with my father, uh, caused a light bulb to go off, uh, frankly, in my, in my head, which is that this is not an accident, uh, just an accident, I should say. This is not uh, a necessary uh, uh, side effect of healthcare. Uh, this is a fundamental dysfunction. Uh, this is something that shouldn't happen and shouldn't happen in our country where, let's face it, we close businesses for the type of uh, recklessness or carelessness that might cost a single life or even a major injury. 100,000 deaths from something preventable, it seems like an extraordinary number. And I, I tied it, or I, as I began to think about it, I tied it to some of the other things I'd seen that were just mystifying to me. You know, how is it that in an ICU, which is supposed to be the most sterile place in the hospital, do you have the garbage picked up once a day? minor little thing like that. In every single patient's room, the garbage overflows, the garbage can is on the floor. This is the most sterile part of the hospital. How does this incredibly sophisticated diagnostic equipment exist side by side with post-it notes and little pads and information technology that's two generations old, if it exists at all? My father twice, twice in five weeks, was taken for procedures intended for other patients that was just entirely a, a paper mix-up. Now, we intercepted them both times, thank goodness. But if we hadn't been there all the time, and for those patients who don't have people there all the time, what would have happened? Um, it, it, just a series of the, 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 the way labor and, and doctors' shifts are organized in hospitals. None of it seems to have anything to do uh, with the patient, with the best care of the patient. Uh, and then finally, the bill. Uh, you know, I'm a businessman, so bills and prices mean something. But this bill didn't. The bill was for $630,000, of which our share, thanks to Medicaid, was $990. Medicare, of course, paid a fraction of, of, of what the total bill was. And when you looked at some of the items on the bill, you realized that no relationship whatsoever to costs. I mean, some of these things that we were charged for usage, I could have bought outright for what we were billed for. You could just see it with the most casual look at the bill. 
And as I thought about all of this, and as a business person, but as like anyone listening to this, also a, a patient slash customer of healthcare, what I saw was an institution that was responding to the needs of its customers. But the customer wasn't us. The customer was Medicare. And I think that was the, what got me started on what was sort of an obsessive two-year quest to get a better understanding of our healthcare system. What did you do with the bill? Well, I kept the bill. And I actually, uh, uh, and I've turned this into something of a um, very annoying uh, dinner party activity with, uh, with my friends, uh, is, is I'll do things like, you know, somebody else, I just paid $15,000 for this procedure. And I'll say, let's figure out what that, what that costs. Right? How much time were you on the operating table? An hour. How much time were we with the doctor? 15 minutes. How many nurses were and, and, and just how much do we think these things actually cost somebody? And of course, there's no relationship. I mean, you'll find that things that cost $15,000, you can't find $1,000 of costs. The interesting thing about our healthcare system is that a very large amount of care, particularly that that's technologically delivered, has very low marginal costs. And the price system in healthcare seems to be more about who's paying than what's being paid for. And if you're a business person, you know that there's no more important information that goes on in a free market system than prices, what we have to pay for things, how they move in response to supply and demand. And the fact that in our healthcare system, we often can't get prices as a customer for things. They're non-transparent to us. Uh, we see only partial prices, our share, if you will, of something that's insured. And that even prices shared between the major payers, the intermediaries if, and, and providers, tend to have no meaning, I think indicates, is, is a real symptom uh, that we may not actually have the type of competitive pressures, the type of price discipline uh, that you see in any other part of our economy. Now, what I saw with my father was something different. The flip side of price discipline is quality discipline. The same person who cares about how much the price of something is, how much it's going to cost, is always, in most things I should say, is also the person who cares how good it is, how good the service is. And you know, one of the things that you notice, you don't need to be a healthcare expert, if you've ever been to a physician's office where most of the practice is about insured care, the traditional fee-for-service care, you wait in a waiting room, you see tons of paper, you see very little investment in computerization of, of patient records. Uh, you see lots of sloppiness in the service. If you go to a dentist's office or a cosmetic surgeon uh, or in many, in many states an, an eye doctor, you see none of that. There's no wait. Right? The records are often better kept. The service is often a lot better. And the only difference between those two things is who's paying, whether you're paying and absorbing most of the cost directly or an intermediary is. And I think, look, it's a very subtle thing. But the reality is when there is somebody between you and a provider who's taking on the responsibility for payment, uh, they also uh, are taking on the responsibility for the price and quality discipline that's just natural in a consumer system. And it's not working in healthcare. A lot of reasonably intelligent adults would uh, look at what you're saying and say, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense regarding uh, trying to be responsive to the needs of customers and uh, how healthcare is in that regard very different from virtually every other part of our economy, but even I have a difficult time reconciling the idea that simple, in many cases, very inexpensive uh, protocols could prevent 100,000 unnecessary deaths. And it's hard to explain to, I think, the average person that um, distortions in a marketplace actually can cause those things. I think you're right. I think we all 
uh, are used to this idea that healthcare is something of an island. It's not a good or service like all the other things we buy are, like all other things are. Uh, it's not subject to the same laws. When we need it, we need it urgently. There's no real choice. Uh, and we have created a system uh, that really enshrines that, that the healthcare is funded differently, it's, it's accounted for differently, it's, it, it's every aspect of it is. And part of it is, uh, of course, that healthcare is a system where most expenses are paid for, at least partially, by somebody other than the consumer. One of the questions I ask in my article, and really it is the, it's the f fundamental question that an outsider should ask, is, is healthcare an island because it must be an island, it must be different than everything else? Or is it an island because the assumption that it's different from everything else has caused us to do a lot of things in the way we fund it, in the way we regulate it, uh, in the way we hold it accountable? Uh, that have separated it more from the rest of, of what we do, the, rest, the mainland of our economy, if you will. Y you know, my answer is healthcare is less different than we think it is, but we've made it more different than it needs to be. And that that cost is extraordinary, not just in terms of money, although in money it is obviously astronomical, but also in terms of quality and the signals uh, that exist in any, in any system, any system is complex as something. We talk about healthcare as if it's one product. It's the largest series of products and conditions and treatments imaginable. Um, but those signals are missing that explain why we see things like poor adoption of information technology. I, I joke that this hospital, you know, was less computerized than, than my dry cleaner. Uh, and it's a true statement. My dry cleaner is concerned enough about losing shirts that these fully computerized, and the hospital is not as concerned about losing lives. Why is that? Well, why weren't those investments made? Why do they need to be made by, by the government? Uh, you know, we talk about an unrelenting rise in prices, which we talk about as costs. In healthcare, which hasn't occurred anywhere else in our economy, even though many of the inputs are the same. We talk about technology driving up costs in healthcare when it's driven down costs and improved quality everywhere in our lives. Now, you can take the position, at this point feels like an almost religious position to me, that, look, healthcare is just different. It can't be compared to anything else. And maybe that's right. But I think it's much more valuable to say, what have we done to healthcare so that all the benefits we could have gotten out of technology, massive increases in productivity, all of the things we've learned in the rest of our economy about how to provide better quality, better service, be more aware of the specific needs of the individual consumer. Why haven't those things occurred in this thing that's now almost 20% of our economy? And I think if you approach it from that latter perspective, you come up with very different answers. David Goldhill is CEO of the Game Show Network and author of the Atlantic Monthly cover story, How American Healthcare Killed My Father. You can watch or listen to a Capitol Hill briefing featuring Gold Hill at Cato.org.